Welcome to the PBL Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stoyer, and here in the podcast, we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can create a learning environment that is meaningful, purposeful, and personal. And that's not an intro that I use very often, but it's actually a tribute to my friend and mentor, Dan Miller. Dan was a men- mentor for me. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. He wrote the foreword to my book, PBL Simplified. He makes the connection between work and education uh, just beautifully because he's been doing it for decades. Well, he graduated to heaven this last month and just wanted to take a moment to give that tribute. He asked me a question years ago, and he asked a lot of people this. He said, what does this make possible? I had some challenges that I was looking at, and he just says, well, Ryan, what does this make possible? I said, well, Dan, you don't understand. There's all these problems, and yep, what does this make possible? And he would have asked you the same question. When you got to COVID and you were leading a building, you say, wow, that's, there's a lot of challenges there. And Dan would say, well, what does this make possible? And some of you did it. Like I've, as I speak to leaders across the country, like, that was kind of a moment where I said, well, what does this make possible? Now that we're going to be virtual, we have to be like, what do we do? And you actually injected some inquiries some project-based learning right then. Like you got like Dan's spirit in that. What does this make possible? And it was neat to see Dan as uh, he had a, a, a cancer diagnosis. And so he knew that his time was short and he used his time very, very well in the last month. I uh, actually found out and uh, he had 48 days until uh, he graduated and he wrote the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. So 48 was kind of a, a number for, da- for Dan. And uh, it was neat to see all the people that just came out of the woodworks that said, gosh, Dan completely changed my life. He completely changed my life. I was going this way. He had me go this way. And my business erupted or whatever it was, Dan like changed the lives of people. And that was his legacy. And it made me think a lot about legacy. And I just wanted to thank him and his family and for the impact that it had on me. So thank you for the opportunity. Go check out Dan's book, 48 Days to the Work, that, work and Life That You Love. It is worth the read. It's a game changer. Let's jump back into the PBL Simplified process here. We, we like to start with a need to know. We're big on need to knows. As we come into February, we're gonna be talking about inquiry for the entire month uh, on the podcast, but also in the PBL Movement online community. So if you're not in there yet, you need to be. Check out uh, in the show notes or uh, in the description if you're watching on YouTube and jump in there. There's all kinds of resources and we differentiate them. So if you're brand new to PBL, we have inquiry resources for you. If you're an innovator and you've been doing this for a while, we have resources for you. So we want everybody to have a place there because honestly, just like we talked about last month, we believe in collaboration. If we're gonna get to 51% of schools using project-based learning by 2051, it's like, that's only 37 years. So we've all got to work together to make this happen. So all that to say that we love need to knows, here's the one for today. It's from a leader who says, how do I get my staff on board with my vision? And some of you might hear right away like, well, should it be my vision or our vision? And I do believe that if you're the leader of the building and you're watching this, it is your job to bring the vision. You're supposed to have this bigger idea. And yes, you want to bring your people into it for sure. But all of us want to be part of something bigger, right? That's why we're movement makers on this podcast. And everything we do at Magnify Learning, we talk about movement makers. And we all want to be a part of something bigger. And your staff's exactly the same way. They want to hear from you. What's the vision? Where are we going to accomplish this larger goal? So the answer that I'm going to give you here is how do I get my staff on board? 
is first, you have to write it down as a leader. You have to know what it is. Like you need to take some time and this is not like putting out fire time. So it often gets neglected, but set some time aside and write down the vision. I like to use big pieces of chart paper. You might use a dry erase board and just get all the thoughts out and see where they connect, where are the gifts and talents of your staff, your community. So you have to write it down. And then you might want to write this down or just remember this phrase, share it small before you share it big. Share it small before you share it big, but share it. So maybe it's a leadership team. Maybe it's a mastermind. Maybe you're a part of Better Leaders, Better Schools with Danny Bauer and some of the masterminds that he has. Like They're doing amazing work because you've got principals talking to principals about the tough things. Well, go share your vision there. So share it small before you share it big. Once you share it big and your vision is out there, talk about it all the time, like all the time. You hear me say 51 by 51 all the time. My kids are tired of it. My staff aren't tired of it because they love it. Like they're into because we're super excited and passionate about this. But I'm 51 by 51 all the time. Talk about your vision until you're tired and sick, sick and tired of telling about that vision. That's where you're getting close. You're still going to talk about it. So write it down, share it small before you share it big, and then talk about your vision all the time. And your staff is going to be on board. If you've got a win with this, I want you to go to pblshare.com. You can either get your need to know on the podcast. I'll reply via email to you um, and we'll put it on the podcast if you want to need to know or if you've got a win like we're going to share next week, um, you can go to pblshare.com and share it there. Let's jump into this introduction to inquiry. We're going to uh, peg our ideas around inquiry around this book called Inquiry Mindset from Trevor McKenzie. It's a fantastic book. I When I wrote a review for it, and you should write reviews for the authors that you really appreciate because uh, it really helps out. And when I wrote the review, I think I actually used the word delightful. It, it is. It's just a delightful read. It's research-based. He's got a ton of best practices in there that you can use in your classroom. You can give your teachers these ideas right away. But he writes it in just a, just a, just a touch of whimsy that he has in his classroom. And you can just tell... Gosh, this guy really likes being a teacher. He really enjoys being with the kids and helping them be curious. Let's get a couple of bigger quotes. So this one's from Albert Einstein, which means you don't totally know if it's from Albert Einstein because he gets quoted with a lot of things. But it says, the mind that opens to a new idea never returns to its original size. So as we talk about inquiry, we want to open up our learners' minds to something just a little bit bigger than what they've seen before. Nora Zeal Hurston says, research is formalized curiosity, is poking and prying with a purpose. And one of the things I love about inquiry mindset is that he talks about research and the importance of really good research because it's a skill set that our learners need. And as we're bringing these provocations or these ideas to them, this inquiry, we want them to go do their own research. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We'll look at a graphic. We'll put it up on the screen so that you can see the four types of inquiry that Trevor McKenzie talks about. But I like that it's the research portion that he really looks at in some portion of his book. It's like, we want our learners to be able to research. And I think about my life, like as soon as I think of something, I immediately go to Google and start researching. And then I start using all of these tips, tricks, and tools that are in my head of, is this a valid source? Does this person know what they're talking about? Will this fit my situation? And I think sometimes we take that for granted that our learners are going to have these same tools with them. So we need to be able to teach them these types of tools. 
So take a look at the screen at this graphic. There's four different types of inquiry that Trevor's going to talk about. And he's got this great analogy, as you can see, that our learners are in the pool. And there's different levels of this pool, right? There's like the three foot area where you can touch. And then there's the deep area where there's like a diving board and you can kind of do whatever you'd like. And that's how he lays out these four ideas of inquiry. So the four types of student inquiry that Trevor uses are structured inquiry. And here's how he defines that. Let me look at my notes. Students follow the lead of a teacher as the entire class engages in one inquiry together. So in there, the class is being guided. So the students follow the lead of the teacher. The entire class is engaging in inquiry together. So they're asking questions. They're diving deep into something, but they're doing it together. The second one is controlled inquiry. The teacher chooses topics and identifies the resources that students will use to answer these questions. So controlled inquiry. Uh, it, maybe you still do this, but and Trevor talks about using librarians as you know one of your greatest assets. But when I used to do a PBL unit, if it was in this controlled inquiry arena, I would have the librarian pull all the books off the shelf for these particular topics I knew we were going to dive into. So I'm getting some of the resources for the learners. And in some of those days, and some of you might be in this, like you had to go check out the computer lab and some of those things, right? If you weren't one-to-one, -one, you know, what do you do when you don't have the computer lab and you're in the middle of a PBL unit? Well, you go ask the librarian to save you, right? So, and she does, right? So she gets all these things. At least that's what happened for me. Mrs. Dowling would get all these together. And then we would go in and it's more controlled inquiry because I knew where the resources were and the students did too. The third one is guided inquiry where the teacher chooses topics and questions and students design the product or the solution. So you can see as we're going deeper to the pool, your learners have more and more voice and choice. They've got more empowerment to be doing this work on their own or kind of that gradual release of responsibility. The last one is free inquiry. Students choose their topics without reference to any prescribed outcome. They're going to go fix something in the world, right? And this is where our beginning PBLers, our beginning movement makers kind of freak out because we talk about project-based learning where you talk about inquiry and immediately our brains go to these PBL units where the learners went out into the community, solved things on their own. They created a website and a business and all those things are real and they can happen, but you don't have to start there, right? When you're learning to swim, you probably don't just dive off the diving board into the deep end, right? And Trevor gives us a really great kind of outline of how you can go through these steps and how he does it. He's going to talk just like in his classroom, where he starts and, and where they end up and a lot of the things in between. So if you look at this first section of the pool, this structured inquiry, um, I would have loved this book when I was in the classroom because my I was originally an engineer, right? And then I decided that my favorite two days of being an engineer were actually the two days when we were working with United Way and an after school program. It's like, huh, I really enjoy working with these kids. I enjoy doing the technical aspect of moving packages around 1.5 million packages a day. But it turns out that my heart was really more towards helping kids. So instead of helping a billion dollar company earn millions and millions of dollars, I jumped ship and started teaching eighth grade English. I'm like, I am going to save the world. I'm so excited, right? I was fired up. And what we did is we did the service learning project. I'm like, every learner needs to do this. And I would have called them students at the time. So every student 
needs to do a service learning project. So that's what we did. Everybody's gonna gonna make one of these. Well, I was in eighth grade, so secondary side, so I had 125 kids. You probably see that what's wrong with that right now, but I didn't because I was fired up. So we were all planning these, right? So, you know, some kids want to take these canned goods and ship them to Africa. Other kids are looking to save the water table. Other kids are trying to save giraffes and rhinos. It was nuts. And you would think that since I came from UPS, I could see that like shipping canned goods to Africa, like there's an expense there that's just going to be astronomical, which is true. But I'm like, just go for it. We're going to do this, right? And I was being super encouraging. Um, This is my first super big fail because I should have used structured inquiry and I didn't. I was using free inquiry with learners that weren't ready. And as as a teacher, I was not ready to do this. So eventually I had to just time out everybody. I messed up. This isn't going to work. What would have been great is if I would have done some structured inquiry, one of the service learning projects that we were doing was phenomenal. So Dakota had this connection with the sheriff's office and some, and you guys know this, like crazy, sad things happen every day. So if both parents get, have to be taken in for questioning by the sheriff's department, what happens to those kids when it's 2 a.m.? right? And there's and an incident has happened. Well, those kids come with and now they're at the sheriff's office and their parents are in different rooms being questioned. And what do the kids do? Dakota said, what if we made these tie blankets for these kids that are coming into the sheriff's office at 2 a.m. and they need something, they need some comfort? I was like, I don't know, Dakota. I think you're going to make me cry. Like, that's amazing. And so she just started doing it. We supported her. Like, what if I would have taken the stuck, the structured inquiry approach and said, hey, everybody, Dakota's doing this thing. Let's all figure out how we can help in this thing and help guide them down that. It would have been super successful, I think. Dakota was super successful anyway because we supported it and she was amazing. So she made it happen. But that was my first super big fail. I was doing free inquiry, wasn't ready for it, should have been doing structured inquiry. So the next one would be controlled inquiry. Now your teacher chooses the topic and identifies the resources students will use to answer the question. So here, it could have been pretty similar where I would have maybe chosen the tie blanket project with Dakota. We would have brought out some resources and everybody could have, could have found different ways to support the sheriff's office, to raise money for supplies for the tie blankets. And then we all could have had this great big tie thing and we make a visit to the sheriff's office and it would be controlled inquiry because I'm bringing in, I choose the topic, I'm going to identify resources and stair-step my learners into appropriate inquiry based on where they're at. And honestly, I think where I would be at, right? Even as a, as the teacher in the classroom, you can't go beyond what you know, which is why getting in, inquiry mindset is so important because it starts you on this journey. The third Uh, section of inquiry is guided inquiry. So now the teacher chooses the topics and the questions, but the students design the product or the solution. So here, someone in the community needs our help. Like, how do you learners think that you can help them? So we've got a group down in Florida and in the math classroom, they're going to do a PBL unit on how you buy a house. And what they're doing is the kids have chosen their dream home, right? which is something we've done before. Like that's not super authentic, but here's what happens. They choose the the home and the locations. They start to calculate the payments based on their salary, floor plans. They research payment assistant. 
Suddenly they're talking about equity. They're talking about mortgage payments. How do you calculate these things? Which is a fantastic skill for learners to engage in and have in their back pocket. I would have liked to have had that uh, when I started thinking I should buy my first house because I probably shouldn't have. Uh, And not only are they learning it, but now they're going to go teach to the community. So they're going to have this open community night now where people can come in and start to get some basic mortgage advice, like how you buy houses from these learners because they can actually explain these things, which again, as a first time home buyer, I did not understand a lot of this work. So the problem was brought from the community by the teacher. The students are going to jump in and they're going to create um, differentiated individual uh, assignments or outcomes to this to this PBL unit. How do you solve it? So some are going to have like a PSA. Some might have, you know, just to sit down, like, tell me what you've got and we'll help you with your individual piece. Some might have a calculator that they're going to bring out. So it'll be like a Google Slides presentation. You can put it in there and you can figure out the stuff on your own. And they're all going to help solve this one main problem that the teacher brought in. And this is one that I, I end up encouraging a lot of teachers and a lot of schools and a lot of principals on this. It's okay for the teacher to bring in the problem that you're solving from your project-based learning unit, right? So this is the third type of inquiry with Trevor, but in PBL, it's a similar idea. You don't have to just jump into the deep end. There's still voice and choice in this house buying PBL, and we brought the problem, and we're going to bring in people that uh, the students can help with solutions, but the students are going to be creating these different solutions. So that's where their voice and choice is at. That's where the empowerment is. A lot of the engagement is coming from the authenticity of bringing people in. Right? If we're just going to turn it in and throw it away, the engagement might not be there. But they know from day one that they're going to be helping people out with their mortgages. We have people that are in a place where they need help. And these learners are going to be the experts. So what's the deep end of the pool look like? The deep end of the pool is free inquiry. So in this one, I'll give you Trevor's example or his definition, students choose their topics without reference to any pre-prescribed outcome. So here, it might be a genius hour sometimes. Um, You're still going to have a structure to this process. And Trevor would agree with that. He's got a great process that you go through. So as the facilitator or the principal, you know kind of what's coming because you don't want to just say, okay, everybody do whatever you want. And in six weeks, we're going to check in That's a recipe for failure. Let me give you an example at one of our model schools in Columbus, Indiana. Their senior capstone projects are phenomenal. The learners have been in a PBL environment for four years, maybe more because they have a K-12 track. Uh, So they understand PBL. They understand the process. They understand the real world engagement. They understand what it takes to start by defining a problem all the way through the six steps to solving the problem and reflecting on it. So what do they do? They make a pitch. They make a proposal at the beginning of the year, again, with some structures from their facilitators. Of, this is what I would like to solve this year as my senior capstone. So uh, I know one learner created a disc golf course in town, which sounds like, oh, well, they like disc golf. That's neat. It is neat because it's part of their passion area, but there's also a lot that goes into it. You can't just throw up some disc golf baskets in the park and have it be okay. Like you've got to talk to the city. You've got to get approval. You need funding. So a lot of those different things. Another one that I loved and was personally a part of hearing about was a women's STEM speakers in their community. So they rallied the community to have these STEM speakers come in from the community 
and the learners would speak and they could all hear from kind of TEDx style from all these local leaders uh, around STEM. Again, all designed by a senior in high school. Really cool. So what they do is they've got this proposal they fill out and then there's a board of community partners that they have to pitch it to essentially. So let's say it's usually about four um, when I'm doing it. So there's, you know, the learner comes in, maybe two they're working as, in partners and now they're going to pitch, this is what I'm going to do. And then we start to ask some questions. We start to go through this tuning protocol process. I like that you're going to bring in some STEM speakers for our, from our community and our learners get to hear from them. I love that. I wonder how you're going to contact these community partners. Oh, that's a good point. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. I'm going to really try to figure that out. Uh, and so we're not shooting it down, but we are making sure that they have a plan. We're making sure that there's benchmarks. Like when will you have all the speakers booked? Well, probably by December so that we're ready come April. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Or if the learner hasn't thought of that, right? It's like, well, we'll probably have them booked by April, you know, April 1st, because it's April 15th. Then we as the adults, as the community partners get to say, ah, you know what? I, when I do speaking, I usually have it planned out months in advance and sometimes a year in advance. Oh, okay. And maybe they didn't know that, right? So at the very beginning, they've got a proposal, we're creating a benchmark, and then we run through it to just make sure that they're not going to fail horribly. They might fail throughout the process. Well, they will fail throughout the process. We want them to. That's okay. We want them to be supported though too, right? Like failure is not really awesome, right? If I just lose a basketball game, I'm not excited about that. But if I can fail forward and I'm learning and I'm supported and they're failing in our environments before they get out to the real world, that's a great place to do that. So um, you should actually just go see them, right? So at the end of the year, if you want to have um, a really great tour. If you want to go see some great uh, capstone projects, let me know. Be happy to connect you with our friends over at in Columbus, Indiana. Uh, the senior projects are phenomenal. But it is a, absolutely, this is free inquiry. It's like, hey kids, you've done this work. What do you want to solve in the community? But there's structure that's still. You're not throwing kids, you're not throwing facilitators in the deep end and saying, hey, I hope you do a good job. There's still some structure for them to be successful. So that's the four uh, levels of inquiry and inquiry mindset with Trevor McKenzie. Again, delightful read. We'll put a link in the show notes. Highly suggest that you grab some of his other resources too. He's got some great sketch notes that lay out his philosophy with inquiry uh, and great speaker. Uh, highly recommend his work. So structured inquiry, controlled inquiry, guided inquiry, and free inquiry. If you're new to PBL, do not just jump into the deep end right away, right? You, you'll get there, your learners will get there, but take your time, take these steps of inquiry. Uh, it makes your road uh, a lot smoother. Trust me, you have plenty of time to put some fails and some, some tough beats in. Let's learn from some people that have been there before. If you're a seasoned PBR listening, like even as you jump into free inquiry and you jump into the deep end, know that there's some resources there that we can help you with too as you're doing that work. So this is our intro to inquiry here on the PBL Simplified podcast. Uh, next week, we'll have a PBL showcase. The week after that, we're going to be talking about inquiry again. We're going to talk about where is inquiry at in your PBL and what are some ways that you really incorporate inquiry into the classroom. We're going to give you some more tips, tricks, tools to get them into your classroom because we want you to be thriving so that you are creating amazing outcomes for your learners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the PBL Simplified Podcast. I appreciate you. I'm honored that you tune in each week. 
would you please take two minutes to leave a rating and a review? When you leave a review, it lets the next person know that this is a podcast worth listening to. When they go into their player and search project-based learning and PBL Simplified popped up, when they see those reviews, they know that high-quality visionary leaders are listening. So they tune in too, and they can find their way into the PBL journey. Thank you so much for leaving a review. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you.